Welcome to the She Heals the World talk show with Dr. S, the place to hear stories of heart-driven women creatively living free. Our episodes highlight conversations and insights that support the values of self-care, creative and personal freedom, slower living, happiness, health, and wellness to help you live your absolute best life. To be a part of the movement and join the conversation, step inside our free Facebook group, She Heals the World, and say hello. It brings me great joy to bring you our next episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the She Heals the World talk show. So today's talk show is interesting and fun. I have Dr. Rachel joining us. She's a licensed clinical psychologist. And today we're talking about communication, specifically as it relates to love and relationships. So really on topic for this time of the year. Um, Rachel, thanks so much for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got started as a psychologist? Sure, Dr. Essen, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be in connection and get to connect, you know, with your community and and offer some insight, I hope. Um, Yeah, you know, I, my path professionally in terms of career has always been extraordinarily linear. Um, So that is to say, it, it seems that from an early like early on, I sort of was equipped with the skill set that that I think psychologists need and and the interest uh, as soon as it became time for me to determine what I was going to study, it just it was like this underlying knowing mm. and and I just never veered from it. it. It was just too right. It, you know, sort of like a calling. And, and the more I sort of learned and pursued in the field, the, the honestly, and and still is the case today, uh, the more voracious my appetite is for, um, for what's next for me and for growing and expanding and in my capacity to help heal myself and those who, who find themselves, uh, in my office or, or, you know, as part of my community, Mm -hmm. You know, one thing I love about your work and especially like your social media, I noticed that the field of, so before I became a coach, I I actually wanted to be a psychologist. I started like in counseling psychology and everything for grad school. And so I dipped a little bit in the world before I like turned left. (laughs) Sure. One thing I noticed is that like the psychology world, as far as social media marketing and business, like it's a little behind the eight ball in terms of showing up, right? And creating a community and a tribe and a business. And what I love about you and what you're doing is like, that doesn't seem to be your case. And so I kind of like look at you as a model, even for the folks who are in that field listening today. And I wonder like, how did you learn to like create a business in addition to this beautiful practice? Like what, what were some of the hurdles you had to overcome in doing that? Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I appreciate you saying that. And I think it, it, it's the dawn of a new day, you know, I think for, for the field of psychology, but also for women who are interested in pursuing entrepreneurship. Right. And like, mm-hmm. so I think for so long, you know, throughout my studies, I, I was, you know, part of that linear path was, uh, conditioning that led me to believe I wouldn't be okay if I went off on my own or, or, or rather, I mean, I'm sure it was in part that, 
but it was also like a deep seated fear-based belief I had that I couldn't. And so it really, and so I sort of was in the field after licensure working along a path that I'm very grateful to have had the experience for, but that increasingly I knew I didn't want to be in and wasn't right for me and was in a system that felt really oppressive Mm. um, to me and the patients I was trying to, to support. And so it required, and this was, you know, only just really recently that I sort of unleashed this courage to take a risk to do this the way that I feel like I want to, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really exciting to feel like I am entering a, 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 what I call like a type of sovereignty in my practice, in my business, in my own capacity to create whatever it is I, I want. And I, I was feeling limited. And so I think it just, it required, um, that risk taking and the courage and it still does like every day, almost, almost in every moment. And, and sometimes I feel more aligned with that than others. Um, yeah. And when I don't, you know, when I, when I doubt or when I worry or when I experience anything that I think is natural that comes up as, you know, as business owners really doing this, um, I'm with that. And I listen to that and I stay curious about it. And I uh, ultimately just don't give up on myself and, and reach out for whatever support I need so that I can feel bolstered in these endeavors. Mm, I love that you said you reach out to whatever support you need because so many women try to do it on their own. Mm. And I think like we don't leverage the power of support so much because of pride and ego. And so Mm. I love that you kind of recognize that and put that right on the forefront as you've been building, like what has been one of your greatest wins? Like what can you look back on today and be like, oh my God, I cannot believe that happened. You know, I, I I just sort of alluded to it, and it, I think to date it's been the most um, sort of pointed turn for me, which was leaving that job, which I only did a few months ago, actually. Mm-hmm. So I had been building, you know, this that my website and my creative pursuits, and really giving that energy on the side, and I was feeling really stuck in this role in this system. And so through a series of, um, you know, explorations and, and transformations and liberations that I had to stick with in myself, I, I got to a place where I just knew I wasn't a prisoner and I didn't have to stay there anymore if I knew I didn't want to and if it wasn't right for me. And sort of from there, then I feel like I was divinely met with all the right ingredients to allow me to feel safe enough to go. Mm. And and so I did. I left that job and um, took the risk to go off on my own, which is where I find myself today. Yeah. And that was huge, huge. Congratulations. Thank you. As you have been building this, like, I just want to touch on your childhood really quickly before we go into like some of the tips that you have for us, because I'd love to hear like your perspective on life and love. Like what was growing up like for you? And did you think naturally, given the experiences that you had, that you'd be doing this kind of work today? Hmm. Um, you know, growing up for me uh, was in many ways privileged and loving and, you know, uh, sacred, you know, I, 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 and 
I endured my own experiences of intergenerational trauma, attachment injuries. Um, you know, I had a father who struggled with mental illness. I had a mother who had to, you know, be invulnerable and sort of forge forward your, for a few different reasons. And that rendered me as a very sensitive child in need of close emotional attunement, uh, dealing with the, the ramifications of that, that didn't, that I really didn't understand until later on in life when I entered romantic relationships with men <laughs> and yeah. would be acting in these ways that felt really outside of who I knew I was, but was like this, this, yeah, really confounded me. I didn't understand who this version of me was that was sort of raging out and drinking to the point of blocking out and and you know and it wasn't until it sort of reached a really ugly place that I had to like closely examine what the hell this was mm. and it wasn't until then that I could really confront some of the early childhood traumas that I endured uh, you know really a series of despite you know how loving and and well-intentioned my family was I was, I did experience these sort of uh, assaults to my psyche and to my emotional body that I had, to, I, I continue to, to work to heal. Yeah. And so I, I shared that, you know, to say that I think for many who experience that type of um, trauma, trauma can really be a portal into healing and insight. And for many clinicians, I think who do the type of work I do, oftentimes we have been there ourselves and it is, it is, it is through that experience that we know uh, what we need to, to support others through it too. Mm. Um, and like I said earlier, you know, I think innately I was, I was predisposed mm. to embody these, like, I think just my natural character is, is extremely sensitive and capable of attuning to others in really uh, refined and nuanced ways. And so that was just a natural, you know, gift that I think I bring to my work and brings the work to me. Um, so that coupled with my life's, my life's conditions, um, I think just set me up for this really beautiful chance to understand what I need and who I am and then, you know, get out of my own way there so that I can be this true, tender, sweet, woman in relationships that are healthy and fulfilling and deep. Mm -hmm. So along with that, as we're, as we're chatting a little bit about these relationships that are, are fulfilling and being able to be vulnerable and available and open to letting that kind of love in our life, um, it's, it's love season. And with that, you know, we have an audience of folks who are married and folks who are single and folks who are dating or newly divorced. And mm -hmm. I think everybody all along the spectrum can relate to having challenges with communication. Mm -hmm. And so I'd love to just kind of open it up to hear from you. Like, what do you find are some of the biggest pitfalls that people in relationships kind of struggle with as it relates to communication? And what are some things that they can do to overcome those hurdles? Sure. Well, you know, I think one of the biggest things I see and know is 
uh, a lack of awareness or an inability to regulate our own sort of emotional triggers that that our partners or potential partners um, are so good at eliciting, right? Like that's sort of the prime space for these parts of us to become triggered. And so oftentimes, because of what we've been through over the course of our lives, our childhood, our previous experiences in relationship where we've been hurt or experienced what uh, a clinician in the field, Dick Schwartz, uh, coins attachment injuries like these are really fertile places for us to um uh to lash out against because we need to defend them and oftentimes if we're not attuned to those triggers in ourselves and doing the work to understand and nurture and regulate them what tends to happen in our communication with our partners or potential partners is either uh, patterns of avoidance or aggression. Uh, you know, we could be passive and, and, and a lot, I see a lot of shame and blame. Um, and it sort of just perpetuates this, this really difficult cycle of conflict that people find themselves in, unable to ultimately uh, truly repair. Mm. You know, before you go deeper into that, I just want to touch on this whole idea of triggers, because I think as coaches and people in the mental health space and, and professionals like yourself, we kind of know what triggers are, but I'm not sure if like the general public kind of mm. really gets that, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I've been exposed to this from a coaching perspective where we're kind of taught like to be aware of what you bring to the coaching seat. Because if your client says something that kind of steps on a rough spot for you, if you're not aware of your rough areas, you can right. kind of, your tender areas, for lack of a better word, you can kind of react in a way that is kind of inappropriate or unprofessional. And this right. happens in relationships all the time. And so can you bring our, our audience through like what a trigger exactly is? Sure, yeah. So. A, when when someone is triggered, usually it's stemming from an experience they've had in relationship or in the world. Something has happened. Someone has said something. You've you've witnessed something. Something something has happened outside of you that triggers an emotional reaction inside of you. And that could be within the body. You experience heightened sensation. There's an emotion, and there's oftentimes series of, of thoughts or stories you tell yourself in the mind about what's happening. Uh, now, it's a trigger as opposed to just a pure natural reaction that any, you know, you'd, expect, you'd expect anyone to have in that given situation. It's a trigger when you notice yourself really defensive or activated or any kind of extreme charge to the experience you're having means you have been triggered. And what that means is an older, younger part of you that has been hurt and traumatized or injured in some way is being activated by this thing that's happened. Mm. So yeah, that's how I would describe it. If you realize that there is something that could be a trigger to you as you're communicating with someone you love or with someone you're dating or someone that you're interested in and they trigger that, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, 
so it I think it, it depends. Um, I mean, I think, you know, awareness of your inner world is a is a definite primary starting point. So and and I like to give people this technique and strategy, which I think is it's a nice starting point. So and it's it's snack. And so you can stop. So anytime you experience that heightened state, something's happened, you're feeling that trigger, you stop, you notice what's happening, you accept that it's that it's an experience that's come up and you get curious about it right? Like, what is this? Where do I feel it in my body? How intense is this? What is this trying to tell me? Is this proportionate to what just happened? Am I, you know, so you just get curious that that's the into it all really. Um, and then you offer it kindness, you know, and I think that might be like, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, that, that triggered part of you is young and scared and it needs to know you're here, that you understand it, that this makes sense. And that there's compassion there towards it. And that oftentimes is enough for people's nervous systems to like become grounded again so that then you can be with it uh, in a way that's a little bit more uh, intentional and rational. Mm. Um, but oftentimes that, re- that place in us activates a, a more primitive part of our brain that uh, kicks a uh, heightened arousal in our nervous system that that then that then we feel like we need to protect ourselves through fighting or fleeing or freezing. And sometimes, you know, getting out of the situation is indicated and can be enough. But oftentimes, um, you know, fighting doesn't make it better. Freezing renders us feeling powerless and worse too. So yeah, so SNAP is an acronym that I encourage people to use. And I just say that I think part of the curiosity piece there can be and the compassion and the kindness piece is I think where the healing can take place and so oftentimes that requires the support of some type of therapist or healer or coach like you to really do a bit of unpacking with that trigger so it can really be fully known and witnessed and understood and released Do you recommend that the person who is triggered, if we're talking about the trigger happening within a romantic context, so the the romantic partner triggered the person, do you recommend that they communicate that process to the person who triggered them? Do you recommend that they wait, they do the snack process, they wait, and then they bring it up at a later time? Or do they just let it go? Like, maybe it's just one of those things where it's like, I shouldn't be triggered over that. Like, it really is ridiculous. I just need to shake that off. What's your right. right. Yeah, I think it, it, it definitely depends. And I think more often than not, when you do this process, you realize increasingly it's okay to let go of so much more than you have been. And, you know, it might be indicated, very indicated to be vulnerable with your partner when you feel able to express your process in a way that invites them into it. So they have some context, not not so that they're held responsible for your emotional triggers, but so that they know that it's something you contend with, that you're working on. And that you may have a request for them around how they can support you with it or show up for you in a way that, you know, contributes to your own healing. Like that's fine and, and natural and healthy 
you know, not a demand that they change or do it differently, but just an invitation. Hey, here's how you could support me with this. Or here's, here's some of the context around why sometimes this might get intense for me. And I want you to know I'm really working on it. And here's how. And yeah, I mean, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we talked a little bit about communication between people who are romantically involved. So if you're married, or if you are in a relationship, and someone triggers you, how to kind of have that conversation with them and move past that trigger. Are there any communication barriers that you're seeing for folks who are dating or who are newly divorced and thinking about engaging with romantic partners, but they're having trouble kind of being on the same page with their love languages or with their attempts for communication? What tips do you have for us with that? Yeah, I think in that vein, it's, it's not actually that dissimilar. You know, I think, I mean, in that place, people are probably having to get more clear on what their values are and what they're really wanting in relationship, sort of using the learning from past relationships and any heartbreaks they're having to heal from to influence the standard they're setting in any new romantic endeavor. And so being really clear about that for themselves, I think is a great starting point. You know, and then I think, I see a lot of women and men and men, you know, who are who are approaching dating, um, struggling with some of their own attachment injuries and, and the way it's showing up. And and for those who are anxious can sometimes jump into maybe communicating too much too soon or expecting more from the dynamic, like wanting to give trust sooner than has been safe like sooner than it's actually capable of being established. Mm. Um, So I'd say for those who are, especially coming off the heels of divorce or, or, you know, I'd say when you're approaching dating steady and slow is a nice way to protect you, you know, cautious optimism. It's like you need to sort of be discerning with potential partners if you're looking for something serious and long-term. And I think it's nice to sort of, explore and experiment a little bit with how authentic can you be in what you share and how safe do you feel when you share something vulnerable is the other do you feel heard you know are you able to listen does there feel like there's intention behind the dialogues you're having so I I don't think it's that different the playing field's a, a, a little different And you may not be, you probably won't be on the first date or second or third disclosing the depths of your emotional triggers, Um, Mm. you know, but, but you might be exploring how safe this person feels in communication or, you know, that type of a thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So along those lines of with feeling safe in communicating clearly, I guess, and openly and honestly with someone if you are starting to engage in a relationship with someone, because I, and I get this from a few folks who are clients of mine and they're starting to explore, you know, other relationships. And then they realize that like, nope, that's not really for me. And they don't really know how to communicate out of it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, 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 yeah. what would you mm. say to them in terms of, you know, maybe they, and maybe it's not a trigger, but they're communicating clearly. And then they realize that, you know what, I don't feel safe communicating with this person or this person is not a great fit for me. 
what happens then when you want to be authentic and transparent in, in love and relationships? Right. Yeah. And, you know, we contend with these days the, the horrific phenomena of ghosting, Yeah. Um, which is just so tremendously painful for those who are you know, at, 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 who, who have to endure it. it. It's, it's awful and confusing. And so I think that I'm, I'm so glad you're asking this because I, I feel like this is a chance to implore people to, uh, you know, be decent, you know, and, and, and so I don't see how, I mean, uh, I think a lot of, I think it's along the same lines, you know, of, of what would, I think the question becomes, what is the fear and where is that coming from? Is that a, a legacy you've inherited from your childhood or about people pleasing or conflict avoidance or, you know, like what would prevent you from being clear and direct with someone about the status of what you want and how you feel? Like, and, and if that, you know, if that is hard, I'm not saying it shouldn't be or that it's not okay that it is, but I think that's an invitation for you to explore why and what you need from yourself to cultivate the courage to do it because oftentimes when we communicate from that authentic place the embedded in that is love even if it's even if the other person ends up being disappointed by it or hurt by it that's okay and and it's not our job to protect them from that it's our job to honor what is real and true for us and oftentimes people almost always respect and appreciate that. Mm -hmm. We we all just want what's true. That's all we want from each other and from ourselves. We all just want what's true. So, yeah. One thing that you just said there that was so powerful was like choosing love over fear. Like I choose to spread love, to give love, to show love to this person by being honest and transparent with them instead of choosing fear, which is I'm just going to ghost, you know, <laughs> like right, that's right. where it came from. I, I think the whole aspect of it came from a lot of people just not being brave, not being brave enough to have a real open, honest conversation with somebody that you might or could care about. Yeah, I agree. And I think, and so again, I think it's, we, it's only just an invitation for that person to explore their own fear there, you know, it's not, and it's not to shame or blame, but it is to take responsibility for the impact that kind of behavior has on the other person. Um, And to get really curious about that, that way in which you're, that, someone who struggles with that is protecting themselves from some more hurt fear-based place in them. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So enough, of, enough of advice for these single people. Let's get back to the married folks like me. So <laughs> let's get there. So what, what would be your top three tips for those folks who are married out there and who want to strengthen their communication with their partner? Um, you know, I, I really, truly, uh, primarily prescribe intentional dialoguing. Mm -hmm. And so what I think that means is being committed to having conversations about you too, about if it's a monogamous relationship, uh, about every week 
a little bit every day. I know some, some people who do it a little bit in the morning and a little bit at night and really create that time to be intentional in the dialogue about how this is going and how are you feeling and how am I showing up and, and do you need anything or how do I have capacity to give it? And, and, and so, yeah, I think, um, really creating time to be intentional in the dialogue about the relationship, the dynamic, the needs, the status, all that stuff, because it's always changing and it should be. And that's how we grow and deepen. Um, and so I think sort of implicit in that is both both partners need to be willing to be uncomfortable in that way, like, you know, and 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 invest the energy and the time, the priority to doing the work it takes to be in a relationship that's fluid and open in communication in that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Last one, make it good, Dr. Rachel. Yeah, I think the last tip is really along the lines of, of what I've been talking about today, which is uh, each partner also not, not just committing to be intentional in their dialogue at the relational level with one another, but each partner committing to checking in with themselves and to being committed to their own inner process and, and coming to the table with that regulated stance. Mm hmm like modeling the love that you want to receive by first giving it to yourself yeah love exactly that. exactly yeah thank you so much for sharing these beautiful tips I think that you know these are game changers for so many people in and out of relationships all over the globe that listen to this show and so Dr. Rachel if you could look back and give your 10 year younger self any piece of advice what would it be you know, I think it would be, um, uh, I have a bit of a, a mantra this year that I seem to be connecting to a couple of them. And one is to trust the unfolding. Mm. I would tell, I would tell my younger self, you know, trust the unfolding or, or at least connect to the prayer that, you know, may I trust the unfolding. I'd give, I'd give her that. Um, and then I just, you know, know that, that a higher version of her is here and and deeply relentlessly loves her and that she's exactly where she's meant to be thank you so much for coming on the show today how can our audience find and support your work such a pleasure to talk with you thank you so much for having me dr s um everybody can find me anywhere online at hey dr rachel uh hey d-r-r-a-c-h-e-l I'm most active on Instagram, and if people are connecting to me and what I'm saying today, I would encourage them to follow me there and send me a direct message. I'm, I'm active there, and I'd love to hear from anybody who wants to connect. Um, and then my website is just heydrrachel.com. Beautiful. All right, Dr. Rachel, thanks so much for joining us today, and I can't wait to have you back. Pleasure. Thank you so much. Well, there you have it. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. And as always, for more resources, as you continue to live out your beautiful mission of healing the world and grow your beautiful business, you can head to www.shehealstheworld.com forward slash freebie to see what new resources I have in store for you. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend. And I can't wait to see you at the next episode.